0: Welcome to the Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast, where you will learn career strategies and techniques to help you break down barriers, make more money, and thrive in your tech life at work and at home. Technology has never been more mission critical to our online stay-at-home world, and you are the key to its success. You'll hear from diverse women in tech as well as experts who share both personal and professional strategies so you can transform your work and your workplace from the inside out. I'm Karen Morstel, former Silicon Valley tech leader and serial CISO for iconic brands like AT&T Wireless, Microsoft, and Russell Investments. I hope you will join me in my mission and message of resilience and transformation to make an inclusive and equitable tech industry. If you find this show helpful, please leave us a like and share it. And don't forget to hurry over to createyourleadingedge.com to join innovative and affordable group coaching for women in tech On your terms. And now, on to Mojo Maker for Women in Tech. I love it when those moments happen where something completely unexpected comes along in the middle of an interview, and it just gives you chills. That's what happens in today's episode with Star Hansen. And she is an organizer, but that doesn't begin to tell half the story about the impact of having someone to help you go through your stuff and bring the energy out of the things that are sitting around in your home or your office or your email inbox, or any other place that things start to accumulate. You have to listen to this episode today. And STAR has a free offer for you. So please take a listen and enjoy the show notes. You're going to love this one. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast, and today I have with me Star Hansen. Oh, you are going to love this. She brings peace to the world, one color-coded label at a time. Hello people who are not organized like me, this is something that you need to listen to. So Star is known as the lifestyle organizer, and her multi-layered approach is that of mind, body, spirit, and space. Star has a knack for seeing through the chaos and into the lives and the hearts of those she works with through her unique approach. And she has diagnosed people's emotional and lifestyle blocks and guides them to a state of organization and joy. I need you here in my office. (laughs) Star, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Karen. I'm just teleporting myself to you right now. We'll just jump in there and get started.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Mind, body, spirit, and space. And my office space has been, you know, the five days of sub-zero weather here in Denver. And yeah, it could use some attention. You are not alone. I know. And And sometimes it's funny because we think, oh, I'm
1: home. I have time. But then I feel like it's like so many people are experiencing like, no, I
0: don't want to face it now. Thank you very much. This is not the timetable I had in mind. Yep, exactly. That's so true. And so I would imagine that there's a whole range of people who are listening to the show today who are part of our audience who some people may be very naturally organized and this is they might be more like my husband who is so organized all the time, clean desk all the time. I am not that person. So we probably have that range of people here listening to the show today. And I thought when you and I talked the first time and I got a chance to hear what you do, why you do it, I thought it was so important for you to come and share because there's so much more to this than just being organized. So I would love for you to share with us what was your big moment when you knew that this was your path, that this was the thing, the contribution that you were making to the universe and to the lives of the people around you. The
1: first thing that comes to mind is that saying, right, that life is understood backwards. And the first house I ever organized was when my grandfather passed away when I was 13. And I didn't know him much. We lived in a different city and just for lots of different reasons, I didn't have experience with him. But when he passed away, my family and I went to go do arrangements for the funeral. And for some reason in that moment, I just made this decision that I was going to organize his space, right? His like studio man cave. And It was an incredible experience because I got to know this man that I had not known in person by organizing his space. It was incredible. And I got to do this beautiful service for my grandmother and in a very challenging time for her while my family was doing the arrangements. And I got to understand this person. Well, fast forward 10 years later, and I was living in Los Angeles doing a different career not feeling all that fulfilled in it, having this interior calling, just saying like, I want to do something where I can be of service in this way. And organizing just kind of found me. We bumped into each other and I've never looked back. It's been almost 17 years now. And it's fascinating that when you're doing the thing you're meant to do, it just comes so effortlessly. I mean, not in the place it takes work, but when you enter that dance, it just flows. So it's been beautiful now to develop a career as an organizer who really looks at the truth beyond the surface. I'm not interested in making everything pretty and tidy and judging your clutter. I'm interested in embracing who you are and allowing your clutter to really show us where you're going, what you want, and the rich life that you've led. And really, a lot of my job is not necessarily even managing the clutter physically. It's managing the clutter interior, right? The cluttery thoughts, the cluttery mind, the way we name call. And so it's beautiful to watch people come home to themselves in every possible way through the process of getting organized.
0: So you and I had a shared experience. Sorry, I'm just having my, my moment here trying to get my thoughts together because when you did your grandfather's place, I had a very similar experience. And I remember when you and I talked the first time and that is so true and such an amazing insight that you get to know the person when you can spend time with their stuff, right? Yeah, Absolutely. And it's not so much that it's clutter or junk or anything like that. It's their life. There's so much about a life. My aunt, I had to organize my aunt's home because we bought it from her when she went into a nursing home and we bought it as is with every single piece of paper, every little diary, every little photograph and piece of memorabilia from her lifetime Wow! and to be able to settle into that and get to know this person. So you had the insight very early that this was a way to help people not just to put their stuff in an organized way, but to help them understand what does their own collection say about them. Tell me a little bit about the kinds of things that you find out from people.
1: Yeah, so it didn't take me long to figure out that organizing has nothing to do with organizing. You know, it's like, <laughs> it, it's so strange. Anytime I talk to a new organizer, they always say, Oh, what do I need to know? And I'm like, Know how to handle people. Like, know that you're dealing with people in a really vulnerable state. Organizing is open heart surgery, right? It is actual, yes. like, emotional open heart surgery. And so you have to be non judgmental and loving and kind and be looking for clues, right? You're looking for clues of, what this person wants and who they really are. And because a lot of times we speak non-verbally through our stuff, you know, it, it can be really hard to face confrontation and to say to your husband, I <laughs> never wanted the wall that color or whatever it is that we might not be saying. And it's so much easier to just shove something in front of the thing you want to avoid to not have to hurt their feelings. And that's just a very superficial Version of it, but I see all sorts of communications through clutter and all kinds of ways that clutter speaks for us. You know, I've walked into a house and known within five minutes that a wife wanted to leave her husband. I've run into people who use their clutter to isolate and other people to find balance in their lives, right? If we have this clutter that's weighing us down, we can't be as responsible in our work or, you know, this and that and the other. And so it's very interesting to see how intuitive. Our psyche is in wanting to create circumstances that we can rely on if we can't verbalize that ourselves. And really, clutter gives a version of that. You know, it does show the beauty of who we are as individuals. Our homes are like thumbprints, but also there's a lot of conversation built into the objects that we choose to keep and how we curate our home.
0: Absolutely. You said so many things in there. One of them, among the many that really grabbed my attention was that I can't be responsible for the things that I'm not doing and that somehow our clutter is a reflection of that or a barrier. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. So one of the things that I
1: think of so often is when I talk to, you know, I have a lot of female clients who are very successful and kind of the prime of their life and the kids are up and out of the house. And one of the most terrifying questions that I can ask them is, what feels good to you? It's like terrifying. They freeze, their eyes glaze over, tears start to roll in because we aren't taught to think about ourselves and we aren't taught to put ourselves first and balance is certainly not taught in tech or most areas of the American life, <laughs> So yeah. for sure. Yeah, very true. I mean, when we can't speak up for ourselves, when it's not okay to work a four-day work week or if it's not okay to work eight hours instead of 15 hours, you can manifest and create circumstances that allow that same thing to happen, but with more angst and stress. So it can be, you know, something as simple as, well, if I can't find it, I can't do it. And our psyche is so smart about making it seem very accidental, right? And yet, if we ask ourselves, like, does that serve you? The answer is always, uh, yeah, it does. In some way, the clutter is serving us. It's doing a service for us in some way. That's why
0: it exists. So, this is like an extension of the barriers in my mind. Yes. I think what you're saying is that I may not want to sit down and face the budget. And so, when I can't find all the paperwork that I need in order to do the budget, I have, by virtue of my lack of organization, or maybe it is my organization in a way to keep me from doing it, I don't know. But if I can't find it, I can't do it. And that's sort of what you're talking
1: about? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Our physical clutter is an outpicturing of our internal mindset. And so if you don't want to do the budget, you know, your subconscious can find a way to not find that budget. Exactly like you're saying. It's a wonderful excuse to avoid having to face certain things for sure. Or it's a wonderful way to face certain things. Clutter is this very interesting two-sided journey, right? It speaks for us and it hides us. It does two totally opposing things all at the same time. And that's why clutter is brilliant is because you know everyone thinks, oh, if I was more organized, I'd be able to get this done. Well, maybe you don't want to get it done. And the clutter is giving you a good excuse to not do it. And so part of it is actually taking the time to ask ourselves, where do I want to be spending my time? And unfortunately it's not always doing what we want to do. And I mean this on a big level. I'm not talking like, do you want to do your budget? I mean, like, do you like your career path? Did you spend a ton of money getting a law degree and you actually hate law? These are big questions we have to ask ourselves. It was not easy for that woman that she wanted to leave her husband. That's a big life change. And so you have to ask yourself, is the clutter trying to provide a way to deal with untenable situations in my life, or is it trying to help move me forward in a better way in some capacity?
0: So I'm sure people are dying for me to ask you this question, because if you can walk into a house and know within five minutes that a woman wants to leave her husband, what is it about the clutter that tells you that? Mm.
1: So every room in the house represents an area of your life. And some of those rooms are static for a lot of us, but the truth is that they're personal to you. So, you know, I can tell you a whole outline, but the truth is it's personal to you. So like the kitchen, for example, is the center often of nourishment and communication. It's like the communication hub of the house. But I've seen other people say that the kitchen is their money zone. So what I look for in the physical space is I'm looking for what part of their life, what energy field in their life is actually active in that particular space. And then I'm looking for objects. So I'm going to give you an example, Karen. So I had a client who in Her bedroom. And the bedroom is generally known for self-care and really like coming home to ourselves and nesting in. And in her bedroom, she was just collecting bathrobes, towels, cozy clothes. Like there was no hard edges in that room. It was just like a big fluff pile. And none of those things really belonged in the space. And so I asked her, I said, you know, well, tell me about it. A lot of these actually belong in the bathroom and the bathroom is the area where we release right it's an emotional release place it has a lot of water in there water represents a lot of emotions as well and so often when you have kind of a block in the bathroom there's something that you're not getting rid of or there's toxins in your life that you're having a hard time moving through and i said look there's a lot of bathroom items in your bedroom what's going on and we started talking about it and she was in a a really toxic relationship, and she couldn't get out of it. You know, I would love to say that the end of her story is that she was able to sweep out and start her own life, but the truth is, she didn't have circumstances where that was possible in a lot of different ways. So she had to be in that relationship, but the relationship was incredibly toxic. And the robes, the Towels. They were all, what happens in the bathroom once you like clean off the toxins from your life, right? It's like you wrap yourself in a cozy towel or you use toilet paper. There's all this like coziness that goes on after this toxic release. And essentially what was going on is because that relationship was so toxic, she was craving these comforts in her self-care area Mm -hmm. to try to keep her sane and grounded. And so we talked about it and I said, look, you can continue doing that, but that's not really serving you because your bedroom is becoming unlivable. What are some other options? Options. And she, in the end, decided to get a dog. And once she got the dog and she had that nurturing, she had that love, she had that comfort in a really toxic environment, she was able to allow the clutter, the physical clutter, to go
0: away and it didn't manifest again because she had gotten her needs met. That's incredible. That's like she's using the fluffy, soft things to soften the hard edges. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. For those of us who work in highly stressful, demanding work environments, it sounds like there's a couple of things. One of them is, how might we recognize what we're blocking by virtue of the way we organize or disorganize our stuff? And how might we also help ourselves by doing simple things that we could rearrange So two questions you want to ask yourself, you want to say, is it safe
1: to be seen? I'm picturing, you know, a lot of your listeners with us right now work in tech and that's not always safe to be seen, right? And so if you're not safe to be seen or own yourself, it's very easy to want to hide behind our clutter or hide behind chaos because it acts as a beautiful, you know, screen in front of us. And the second thing to think about asking yourself is, is it safe to have my voice? Like, is it safe to be heard? And those two questions are really important for those of us who are in industries that are not that welcoming to the feminine energy or to balance. And the reason why I ask those two things is because those have to be in place for the clutter not to speak for you. A lot of my time with people is helping Introverts learn how to ask for boundaries around responding to people. You know, it can be just nonviolent communication. There's a lot of different tools that we need in order to really feel strong. And yeah, standing there in a very busy, intense workspace, you really have to make sure that first and foremost, do I have solid ground to stand on? That's for sure to me the most important thing before we even look at the clutter.
0: So there's a lot of questions that we, gosh, this is very interesting. Like there may be questions that we, can't really honestly answer ourselves cuz i always use the phrase that a jar can't read her own label right <laughs> that's brilliant yes and it's helpful to have somebody who can come in from the outside and say this is what i see yes and then what we have to learn to do is hear that message but what you're telling us is that if i looked around i could gain some insights just by virtue of my clutter Yeah.
1: So you want to look at where it is. So first and foremost, where is it? Even if something as benign as it's in my office, get more specific than that. Where in your office? Is it in a walkway? Trying to limit and avoid people from entering your space? Is it on a desk or a chair stopping anyone from coming and joining you? Is it on your desk or your keyboard trying to vie for your attention? Like, where specifically is your clutter? So, and when you look at it there, think to yourself, like, well, what really deserves that attention? If it's on my keyboard, keyboard equals first thing I do, right? Chair equals entertain another being in the space and have a conversation. So, look at where that clutter is. And then the first question should be, what is this blocking? Like What is this clutter blocking? And then start to really think. And sometimes it's like I'm an extrovert, so it helps me to actually verbalize with other people. It's really hard for me to do the work mentally. So know your own style of how you process. And you know, if you need to talk it out with someone else, for sure, pull someone in that's safe and chat it out. But really just go down the rabbit hole of, play in the realm of creativity clutter is of nothing if not creative it's like how could this clutter be creatively helping you is it stopping that guy from down the hall from coming in wasting your time again is it trying to inspire you to get the deadline done because you didn't do it last time like it's trying to help you actually it's trying to be a good friend it's just a little bit ill placed
0: <laughs> this is just blowing my mind and it sounds a little bit like the feng shui of clutter Oh, yes. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's,
1: I talk about it, like in my TEDx talk, I talked about, listen to the monster in your closet. And it's, I had this weird quirk as a kid. Anytime I'd watch a horror movie, and I'm not a fan of horror movies because I just don't do well with violence. But anytime I would watch a horror movie, my thought was always the same. I was like, well, of course he went back and killed that whole village. Look what they did to him. I always got the villain side of the story. I was always really clear that in their mind, They were justified. There was something justifiable about it. So, if we look at our clutter in the same way, what if the clutter's not wrong and bad? What if, and (laughs) I shouldn't parallel it to like the demise of a village, but like if this thing we say is so bad and wrong and shameful, what if it had the keys to your freedom? What if there was magic in there that would actually make your whole life better? And that, in my experience, in the last seventeen years, is a hundred percent the truth.
0: So I love that because from the standpoint of, let's just say that my chaos is holding the keys basically to the creation of something that enables me to basically move forward in my work and move forward in reaching some of my goals. I'm thinking about, actually, I'm going back to my chaplain days and thinking about the whole chapter of the book of Genesis, where it is the creation story, but it starts with chaos. Yes. Always. And from chaos, order comes. Separating the day and the night is a step of changing total chaos into an order, Right. So you start, let's just say you start with chaos. What is the method that you use when you're working with a client to help them speak their truth by moving from chaos into order? Curiosity.
1: When was the last time someone really asked you a question and wanted to know the answer? Like not because they wanted to share their story, not because they had an idea and they wanted to move you towards it, but really just out of curiosity. So for me, the first step is always curiosity. What if we didn't judge it? What if we didn't judge ourselves? And that's really where most people get stuck. I mean, please, if getting organized was about having the right box bin TV show book, we would have already done this 20 years ago, right? This is not a new industry. It's not a new problem. It's just going to continue getting bigger and bigger. The challenge is that we beat ourselves up before we get started, right? Most of us are burned out. We've been working really hard for a long time, trying to balance a lot of things, and we think we're failing. Most people that I know actually feel like they're really failing, myself included, often. You know, I'm like, oh, no matter how much I succeed, I feel like, well, but I didn't, ah, right? So it's a mind game, it's a mindset game. And so it's really about starting to say, like, well, what could this be serving? How is this serving me? Like, if it was a friend, What would it be trying to tell me? And really allowing that conversation is the root of how we transform the clutter. But that's why I say we have to start with the softer questions of, is it safe to be heard? Is it safe to be seen? And really kind of coming back into that. And so what it means is we have to be able to sit with uncomfortable feelings. And a lot of people aren't able to, or they were not taught to. You are capable of processing big feelings, but if you've never been taught, it's very uncomfortable. And so I love a simple mindfulness practice from Thich Nhat Hanh, and his concept is you just say to yourself as you breathe, breathing in, I'm aware that I feel whatever you're feeling, right? Anger. Breathing out, I care for that anger. And you just cycle through that until your body calms down. And I've never seen it not to work in moments of anxiety and moments of crisis. And yes, sometimes things are next level, but at least having some sort of system to tap into when we start to come across those uncomfortable feelings because that's what derails our organizing process. You are smart enough to solve this, but the mental hijacking that comes is what sets us off course.
0: Yeah. It's almost as if we're judging ourselves before we ever get started. Absolutely. And you've got, you know, by doing a meditation like that, breathing in, I feel this thing and then breathing out, I care for that emotion instead of saying, I shouldn't have that emotion, right? Well, think about a toddler.
1: Like what does a toddler do if you try to quiet them down in the supermarket lane? (laughs) They just scream louder and that's exactly what happens with our feelings. Right,
0: exactly. It's no different for us as grownups. And so for a person who, let's just say that we have messy desk, messy office, things are hard to find, we lose efficiency and effectiveness On the things that we need to do on a daily basis because things are not orderly in a way that helps us streamline our day. So I'll set that up as a premise. The number one thing I could see coming into the office at the beginning of the day, going, This place is such a mess. Wow, I'm such a slob. Wow, how could I have let this happen? I'm not going to get anything done. It's this self talk that's triggered just by looking at the pile instead of saying, Huh. I wonder what this is telling me. Well, yeah.
1: And it's also like, if you came to my house, Karen, if I had a pile of clutter on my desk, you would be able to guide me through it, right? If I said, oh, I really need some help with this. My guess is that you in your kindness would be able to find a through line to that, correct?
0: I don't know, (laughs) because I've never actually tried it. Oh,
1: my experience is, yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you for the compliment. I mean, I I recognize (laughs) that you're giving me a huge compliment. I think that in the kindness, I would certainly try, Yeah, right? And the question would be, let's dig in, right? Not let's judge you. I think that's the big thing. And if it was myself, I love that you said, I'd start with curiosity, And it's like, what is in here? What's the potential that's in here? What can this become, right? What would it be if seems like a set of questions that I would start with at least.
1: Yeah. And look for the yes. You know, that's a big part is look for the yes, because there's always a yes buried in your clutter. I mean, what I notice is when I go and work with people who really feel lost, they will tell me every reason why they can't take the time to clear their email. They can't take the time to build a to-do list or clear their desk. Even though if they did those things, they would feel really ready for the week ahead. They would feel really on top of their challenges of their life. And so it's funny how we don't make the time to do the thing that we know will actually serve us. And so one of the things that I do when I'm working with someone privately is if you tell me no, I'm going to keep going down that rabbit hole until we find the yes, because there's a yes in there somewhere. And a lot of us, I get it. It's we feel defeated. There's so much burnout. It's exhausting. It's overwhelming. It makes perfect, perfect sense. And there's always a yes. So look for the opening in there that it's like, well, I can't do that, but I can do this and just move in that
0: direction. I need to apply this to my inbox. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's been my elusive dream: is inbox zero. You know. Oh. And the thing is, is that, so I'm going to tell a little bit of an experience. This is not about email. It's about a different experience where it has created this sense in me personally, where if I don't look at every single piece of paper, or if I don't look at every single email to make sure that I don't need to save it, I'm afraid I'm going to lose something that I'm going to regret. Right. You can tell me maybe what that says about me. But I had this experience when I was cleaning, we were getting ready to move to Denver and I had basically inherited boxes and boxes of materials from ancestors that had been collected by my parents, and now it's been passed down to me. So I have all of these boxes of unorganized stuff, and I needed to go through every single one of them because we had to kind of pare down in order to move, right? Yeah. And so what do I do? week after week, pulled boxes into the room in front of the TV. And while I had something on in the background, I just started unpacking them and sorting them. And lo and behold, here's a box, doesn't look special at all. It began to tell me what the treasures are that it has inside it. And as I get to the very bottom of it, there's this very ordinary looking brown folder, which I pick up and find a photograph of my grandfather's siblings, all of them together in one big photograph had to have been taken in the early 1900s. And then their parents, that would be my great grandparents' wedding certificate. Hmm. Right? The only one in existence. Wow. Right? with all the original art, it was a huge piece of paper and all of the beautiful artwork and everything that was on it. And I thought, I might've just thrown this away. What would have happened if I'd actually thrown this away? Mm -hmm. Right. And this keeps getting reinforced in my life is that I find these little treasures because I look in the clutter and I look in the pile and then I find this thing. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I looked, but it's very time consuming to do that. Yes. right? Right. So this is the balance of my life is like, do I have the time to do this? If I don't have the time to do this, I'm afraid I'm going to miss something. I don't know what that
1: says about me, but... (laughs) Well, the challenge is if you're going through a box of family heirlooms, you want to take your time. If you're going through a pile of mail from two years ago or five years ago, you might be able to move a little faster, right? You're probably not (laughs) going to put the precious thing in there or like your glove box, right? So... We have to mind our mind because, so we tend to really react to negative feelings, right? So when you find that and you think I could have just thrown that away, ah, it raises the stakes for needing to look at everything, right? Which makes sense because- you're being hyper vigilant. You are a strong, smart, powerful person who knows how to get things done. And that makes sense. And your brain is like, oh, we just discovered a new element that we should pay attention to now for the rest of our lives. But it's up to you, Karen, to decide, like, okay, well, is it worth my time to really do that everywhere and to start being discerning where we don't let our emotions hijack us and tell us, like, oh, it's about to go down? I mean, I see this a lot with people wanting to find the perfect home for something that they don't want. Like, oh, I want to get rid of that, but I just need to fix the leg of the table first and then go on Craigslist and check with my Aunt Martha. And suddenly it's becoming a 15-step project for you instead of just the simplicity of that doesn't belong to me anymore. And so... Part of it really is minding our mind and saying, what am I going to give my time and energy to? Like, I always think of it as being like a shark. If a shark bites a human, they're often not going to eat us because we are too bony for them. They take one little nibble and they're like, "Uh, no, thank you. You're not worth my time. And they swim away. Be the same with your choice activities. Choose. Yes, I'm going to take my time going through that family heirloom box, but that Trader Joe's bag full of mail and junk from my car from five years ago we can do this pretty quickly. And I'm just going to like, spoiler alert, you're going to get rid of things that you regret. We're all going to do it. It's inevitable. You're going to have, I regret things I've gotten rid of. It's just part of it. So you can't actually escape from that. You can do the best you can and curate your time wisely.
0: You know, thank you for that. Because I think what this does is it allows me to compartmentalize, like you suggested. And I'm hoping that using me as an example is helpful for everybody who's listening. Because then you can sit down and say, all right, this is 2018 email. If there's a receipt in there, oh, well, Mm -hmm. right? Those are all going away. And just back to my inbox and getting to inbox zero, chunking it into things that say, this is high priority. This is not so much high priority this is how to get through these things very quickly. If there's anybody out there, by the way, who's done Inbox Zero and it wants- I live with Inbox Zero, Karen. (laughs) I I have done Inbox Zero for years. So I actually,
1: I will say, uh, The Hamster Revolution is still one of my favorite books for getting to Inbox Zero. It's super simple. I teach classes on Email Zero. Like, honestly, in my mind, and I know in the tech world, people will fight me toe-to-toe that they would never do Inbox Zero. And for me, I just really like having the clarity- of what is an action, what is a future resource, and having my eyes clear for the day to really make very intentional choices for what I give my time and attention to versus letting the outside world dictate my day and schedule.
0: You know, here's another thought I'm just having as we're having this conversation and relative to the inbox and other things, hanging on to the things that are from the past really do keep us anchored in the past instead of having that clarity of vision to what am I going to do moving forward?
1: Yeah. Well, and it's also, I will say it's so much easier, Karen, to stress out about losing an email than it is to stress out about the fact that you might want to leave your husband or you might want to start a new career or you, (laughs) right? So it's like most people I know when that anxiety is serving them in some way, right? Not always, but most times it's much easier to stress about something that's benign than the bigger deal. So you can always ask yourself, is this a smokescreen for something else?
0: So, you know, you are really a phenomenal life coach in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> they will never... <laughs> Well, you know, you can come into the life. uh, This is actually brilliant, right? And I love this because what is safer for me to let you into my interior of my clutter or for me to let you into the interior of me? Yes. And you can do both, but it's so much easier to come into it by helping me get things straightened up. Absolutely.
1: And you're saying it correctly. It is safe because we're working on some superficial structures here. And so the beauty of that is if I said to you, I'm going to come in and we're going to do eight hours of talk therapy in your house, you'd slam the door on my face. (laughs) No one is going to say yes to that. But if we are working on clutter management and system creation, and we happen upon some big feelings, we can process through those and then get back to the organizing again. And what happens is we learn that we can create a sense of control and empowerment within a chaotic. Mm and
0: uncomfortable environment. Yeah. No, basically we're taking back the power and redirecting all of the energy because essentially clutter is not benign. No. Right. It is a whole bunch of potential that's all piled up there and we can leave it tied up there or we can free it up. And put it to good use and be in control of it instead of having it sit there like a smoldering heap that says, I own you. Yes. And you shall maintain me and care for me and pay for me for the rest of your days. Good luck. And then pass me on to your children to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Holy smokes. My husband's going to be so happy that we talked.
1: Oh, I'm so (laughs) glad. I mean, it really is a magical medium. I mean, I say this to people all the time. You would never let me in the house if you knew. Like no one is shopping for what I'm selling. And that's the hard thing is like, okay, how do I sell this thing that nobody wants to buy? But the truth is what I'm helping people do is come home to themselves. And sometimes we don't know that until we're in the granular details of our lives. That woman that I worked with before, she didn't know that she needed to know how to set her boundaries. And then she learned that through our working together. And so
0: the messages in the details, it really is. I know that this is so true for myself. I am kind of like always on the razor's edge between total chaos and order. And when I choose order, I find that I have freed up so much energy to do what it is that I want to do. And the thing that serves me and helps me serve others is so much easier and flows so much faster And it's like, I don't have to feed the clutter monster hanging out over there on my desk at all. And so the work that you do, people may not know that they need it, right? They may not be able to articulate it. But the truth is, I think so many people now are talking about, how do I reach my potential? How do I get what I really want in life? How do I break free of this sense of barriers that I have around me in order to do everything that I'm meant to be doing. And the truth of it is, is that if you're surrounded with clutter, the answer, a lot of the answer is in the clutter. Yes,
1: absolutely. And the beauty is, is that this is your life. This is your story. And you are writing that story every single day. Mm -hmm. I talk about curating your home and every room in your home is For lack of a better word, brainwashing you, right? So if you walk in and your space feels uplifting and supportive and loving, you feel uplifted, supported, and loved, right? So you taking the chance and the moment to build that into a life where it is supporting you instead of you supporting it is one of the most
0: powerful things that you can do for yourself. I'm wondering about something. We're coming up on a season in my household where we do the annual spring cleaning. Mm-hmm. About February, between February and about April, every single room gets a deep clean. And that means taking all the stuff out of all the cupboards, putting everything back, making sure that we don't have stuff that's expired. Like really, truly, that's a little insane, to be honest. It's, <laughs> but when we're done, oh my gosh, yeah, right? And I can see the wisdom. There's a, you know, some cultures have that as a tradition. Yes. And I can see the wisdom in it. That well, it I, actually, we talk about it as needing to have things being clean, but at it, truth, it's not the clean, it's the order out of chaos.
1: Yes. And it's reconnecting with yourself in those different areas of your life. So when I had primarily worked with people in person in their homes. I do whole home, whole life organizing. This process can take months to years with people because we're really doing a deep reinvention and a recalibration. And when I saw how powerful this was, I switched and created an online membership where we literally organize a different room every single month. And what that does is, yes, you're getting that spring cleaning over the course of a year, but more than that, you are Touching those things again and asking yourself, Who am I in this part of my life right now? Because who I am when I'm a 20 year old career woman is different than who I am as a 40 year old mother or a 65 year old grandmother. What chapter are you in? And how do we allow ourselves to step more fully into what is so that it's safe to let go of the past? So often we think we have to let go of the past and clean it up. Versus allowing us to step into the power of where we are right now and allow the things that don't fit that to just release off because it is such an easeful release when we are actually moving forward and not purging. That's such a different process.
0: Yeah. It's like an integration. Yes. I'm really integrating what I am based on who I've been and then how does that show up in the symbols? of what I surround myself with in my environment. Yeah.
1: And not letting it get stagnant. I mean, I think of so many people's rooms in their homes that are not touched, like the formal living room that's never gone in anymore or the guest bedroom that doesn't get used. Like I would so much rather someone transform those spaces to a home gym or a music room or A yoga studio, who knows, but something where you are alive there, like where you feel like that's just one more corner of the globe where you are more your authentic self than you can be anywhere else.
0: Wow, this is so powerful. We've just kind of scratched the surface. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Yes. (laughs) And I love this topic so much. And I am going to definitely attack my spring cleaning, which starts in one week, less than one week with a whole different perspective, that how does this represent the life that we are wanting to live right now, not the life that we lived or the things that we need to hang on to, but what is our potential? What is it that we do? How do we best serve the world? And how do we want to live right now and make sure that that's what we end up with when we're done? Might as well have a purpose and a focus on it, right? Right.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm so excited to hear how it goes. I see the impact you have in the world right now. And I can't even imagine how much more brightly you'll shine by integrating this kind of intentionality into your home. Yeah, it's a good time to do it. I have to say.
0: Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I agree. So I want you to make sure that you let everybody know if this has piqued your interest and this feels like it's resonating with you as you're listening to the episode today and you want to know more, how can people find you and, and learn more about what you do? Because you're all over the place. I mean, you're on HGTV, you're on Style, you're on A&E, you're in so many places.
1: Yeah. So. So, yeah. How do they find you? The best place to get me is my website, starhanson.com, And I wanted to offer your listeners a freebie also. So one of the biggest challenges to getting organized is getting started. And so I created a checklist of 10 things you can organize in 20 minutes or less. But the kicker of this for your listeners is that if they organize five of those in the next seven days, they can win a free session with me. So <gasps> yeah, yeah, I'm yes. signing up when I sign up. Yes. So, and all they need to do to get that is go to starhansen.com forward slash checklist. And that's H A N S E N, just in case. So, starhansen.com forward slash checklist. You can get that, download it, do your five sections, and it literally will take you 20 minutes or less. You just stop scrolling for the day and then you'll knock that area out. And yeah, and then we can talk about what your clutter specifically
0: means and how we can help use it to set you free. That's incredible. Thank you so much for that. That's very generous. My pleasure. I'm just thinking I'm going to tackle this. And so I'll probably just track this on the Mojo Maker page, but also I'll tag you, Star, because I have to dig into this. I have now a renewed interest in getting my annual cleaning done really well and done with intention and purpose. I'm really excited about it now. I was kind of dreading it. Oh, now I'm excited about it. So this is so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so for anybody who's interested, I'll just kind of keep that one going on online and people can check in and say, what's the progress we're doing? Maybe once a week, I'll check in and let you know. Yes. But Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for this. This has been delightful. It's been very thought provoking. And I am excited about what this can mean for so many people, including myself. So for anyone who's interested, you can check the show notes. You'll find all of the links that Star has mentioned in the show notes today. And be sure to go out and check her website at StarHansen, H-A-N-S-E-N dot com. And we'll look forward to hearing more from you. I want to do this again in the future. I would love that, Karen. It's such a treat to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me on today. Thank you. Thanks for being here. That's it for today's show. Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast is part of the ecosystem of knowledge sharing and affordable group coaching to help reverse the trend of women leaving tech and to help diverse women in male-dominated industries get the visibility, opportunities, and compensation they deserve. Be sure to check out our five-day challenge by visiting us online at createyourleadingedge.com. Like what you hear? Subscribe, share, or leave a review wherever you listen to the show. We'll be back again next week. Be well, stay strong, and remember, be an ally.